0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode, episode four of the Missing Vibe podcast. So glad to be back. Thank you, all the returning listeners. I'm um, really glad you're here. Really hope you found something special in the first three episodes and that you came back. And to first time listeners, welcome. This is The Missing Vibe, a variety of people um, brought together by grief and loss. My name is Taryn. My co-hosts today are Renee and Victoria. We all knew a good friend and son named Tanner who uh, was taken from us far too early at the age of 19 um, in March of 2022. And so a year later we're here to kind of reflect on that. Everyone who was in his life is at different stages of their grief. Each as valid as the last and we're here to talk about People going through similar experiences, different ones in similar ways, uh, Same, similar losses in different grief experiences. Um, just because it's different doesn't mean you have to be doing it alone. Renee and Victoria, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves?
1: Um, I'm Renee. I'm Tanner's mom. So Karen and I have been doing this little podcast. And like Karen mentioned, uh, Tanner was killed by a drunk driver at 19. Um, So I lost my baby boy on March 26, 2022 and we have Victoria here with us today because she's also experienced the loss of a child in a different way and so we felt it was important that we talk about her loss as well because a lot of people can relate to that unfortunately and so Victoria, can you just uh say hi and tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, I'm Victoria. Um, I knew Tanner through Taryn, who is my cousin. Um, We met, gosh, I think in 2009, maybe. Um, And so I didn't have a close personal relationship with Tanner, but I did see him at family functions and social gatherings at Taryn's house. Um, So I always knew him growing up. Um, And then I also have experienced other tragic losses in my life. Um, I lost my daughter. She was stillborn um, when I was 38 weeks pregnant. Um, I also had a miscarriage after her. And in 2018, I lost uh, someone who was very close to me in a plane crash uh, two weeks before his 21st birthday. So he was very young, uh, just like Tanner, and taken very tragically. So that is uh, my experience with loss.
1: And that, you know, just by saying those things, that is, it's a lot for anyone to handle. But how old are you, Victoria? I'm 24 years old. So having that kind of loss, so young, not that it matters how old you are, but, you know, within that short it's really been a short time frame for all your loss, and so how did you? Your first loss was—is it Toby? Yes,
2: yeah, in 2018.
1: And you guys were, like you said, pretty close. So how did that kind of come up? Not come about, but how did that play when you realized what was happening and you got the
3: news?
2: Yes. So Toby and I had been, uh, we had been friends in middle school and then he, we dated all through high school. So we were together from the time I was 14 until I was 19. Um, We had broken up about five months before he died. Um, We were on good terms. We just had grown apart. Like we had gotten together when we were so young. And as we entered into the adult world, we had just started to go our separate ways. So our breakup was very amicable and uh, he stayed very close with my family since he had known them for so long. So we hadn't talked in five months when I, um, his sister actually reached out to me to let me know. And it just kind of completely shattered my world uh and my I felt like my innocence about the world as well he was such a good person and in the back of my head I had always thought that we would end up together that we just needed some time apart to figure out stuff on our own so when she told me that it just completely changed really changed my life of course Um, And he was so young, he, it was two weeks to the day before his 21st birthday. So um, just thinking about like life lost so young and taken so quickly, it was just, it was awful. And I, this was my first experience with loss that close to me. And I was very angry for, for a very long time. Like, I was just angry. I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, My family was grieving as well, and that was really hard for me because if they were grieving, then that meant that I had to face it. So I just turned everything into anger. I was mad at the world. Um, I was just mad at everything. And I really only talked to my grandma about it. Uh, Her and I would talk on the phone, and then eight months after Toby died, my grandma also died. So that kind of felt like, wow, that was my support. And now she's gone too. And it was like, I started the grieving process over again for both of them when she died.
1: They say that sometimes when, you know, it's amplified, you are dealing with Toby's death and trying to make sense of it. And then your grandmother passes away. And like you said, it's a double whammy because it brings you right back to where you started with Toby passing. Um what did what was it about your grandma that comforted you when you were grieving? How was she supportive of you that you found that comfort in her?
2: She she knew Toby very well, so I think she knew like what what I was missing and she never tried to compare her grief to mine she just would let me talk and or not talk like she also wouldn't push me to talk about it either whereas i felt like um because i was so closed off a lot of my family was they wanted me to talk about it because they didn't want me to isolate myself so which i understood that but she would she would either like if she asked me a question and i wasn't super responsive she would let it go um but on days when I was like, you know what? I need to let this out. She was just there to listen.
3: That's good. And your grandmother, I've met I met
1: her a couple times cuz it's um your mom's mom, right? Yes. Are you talking about your mom's mom? Yes. Beautiful woman. You know, your family is beautiful. I just want to throw that out there, but your grandmother was very sweet. So, I'm glad that you had her in your corner. And didn't make you feel like you had any expectations because, like we talked about in one of the episodes with Landon, he also kind of isolated and everyone starts freaking out because you're kind of pulling away and everyone's not sure, like, is she gonna hurt herself? Is she okay? Because you're not talking. No one knows what you're feeling. So it's nice that you had no pressure, even though people mean well, because they're worried definitely about
0: you. I with that feeling as well because everyone it's it doesn't happen at the same pace for everybody and so um you know a lot of people just aren't ready to talk about it to kind of weigh around in those feelings when others are and others want to yeah yeah. There's two your different family. ways are very open handle it. about their grief and kind of how they're feeling and like what's changing their lives every anniversary and stuff it's always mentioned um was that hard in those first I guess that first period of time the kind of in between Toby and your grandma maybe even a little after that like did you feel you were in a place where you wanted to do that as well or did it make it
3: more difficult for you
2: I think I think in a way it was helpful in a way and in a way it was also difficult um like I appreciated how open my family was but i just was not able to be vulnerable in that way uh the way that they were i wanted to get to that point but i just there was like some kind of block for me like i think if i was vulnerable vulnerable about it then it became real and i wasn't ready for it to be real yet like i was just in shock um like yeah there was just no words especially with toby so i I just didn't want to even face it because that was like me accepting it was how I felt and I just couldn't get myself to accept it. Um uh, whereas with like with my grandma's passing, she had been sick for a long time. Um but she like every time something went wrong, she always bounced back from it. So that particular hospital stay, I thought that she would just bounce back from it until I went and saw her and she was just a complete shell of a person that she used to be. So at that point I was like, wow, like we either need a miracle or I don't want her to suffer like this. So when she died, I was able to be more open and more vulnerable vulnerable about it because I didn't want her to suffer. And she had lived a beautiful life and she was she had children. She was a grandmother, like she had done all of those things. So I was able to make peace with it, I suppose, in a way. Whereas with Toby, I was just like, his life was so short. Like, he didn't get to do all these things that he should have been able to do. So, and I also, I felt guilty for feeling that way because I I never wanted my grandma to die. Like, I just thought she'd be around forever. I couldn't imagine, like, living without her. But I was able to make peace with it because of those things. So one after she died, I felt like I was able to start to come around a little bit more and be open and vulnerable about both of their deaths
1: and did you seek so did you seek counseling during those times or did you you know just knew that you needed to be in your own headspace and just avoid it or you know i know that you're like you didn't want to talk about it but was it just with your family or was it anyone close to you you just didn't want to talk about it
2: um it was it was pretty much with everyone around me i didn't want to talk about it um i did seek therapy after uh my grandmother died in so that was june of 2019 i believe in the fall uh i did seek therapy cuz i thought maybe that would help me start talk like maybe if I could talk to a stranger I could talk to my family um but I just didn't vibe with my therapist and I thought it was going to be like a cure-all like I thought I was just going to meet somebody and like I've heard you guys talk about in previous podcasts um like you don't always fit with the first therapist you go to but that was really disheartening for me so I just kind of Like I think I went to maybe two sessions and then I was like, okay, I'm done.
0: Definitely done done that, yeah, with therapists. Yeah, it
2: takes a lot of energy. Yeah,
0: I've I've definitely done that with therapists in the past. Um, and I had similar expectations when I first started that they would have like some binder or something with like a step by step how to not be sad. Yeah. Yeah, how to not be how to not white knuckle it. it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um. No, I get I'd make that joke <laughs>
1: Sorry, off. I had to. Uh,
0: but yeah, it is it's we you know the human mind it's a complicated process and we've all felt you know similar but different and your therapist needs a few sessions to kind of get to know you, but you can kinda also kind of tell within those sessions like if you're vibing with them as we said. Um so I've I've had trouble kind of drawing the line because I don't want to like hop around therapists and counselors and not really like commit long enough to get the help that i'm looking for but you know it's also like you said victoria can be disheartening um when you're not vibing and uh, you're like well why am i committing myself to this you know to basically just going through all the shitty stuff
3: in my life if i'm not getting anything out of it It it's
1: and it's exhausting to keep (laughs) you get a new therapist you have to repeat everything and you know keep your fingers crossed yeah it's exhausting you guys are we're all already exhausted with our grief and then you have to do it again and i see why people don't continue because it is so tiring emotionally and time-wise and everything but my question to victoria back to her grandma and then Toby so like we kind of talked about you know the progression of life and as our you know our grandparents get older we realize that that's the way mm-hmm. it's you know they're going to pass away and that's the way it's you know the way it, it's supposed to be I guess if you say that but um so both you and Taryn lost grandparents and so you guys it's kind of um, and her, her grandmother's
3: great aunt
1: and that's kind of Yeah, it's crazy. Big you guys Italian are very family. connected. <laughs> family. Yes. <laughs> um, So then you have each other. And I mean, usually when grandparents die, I don't feel like people reach out as much for grief help because we kind of just expect it. But then when you have like Toby dying right before he turned 21, do you have any other peers that experience a loss similar to that age or where you feel like you're on your own?
2: You know, I really, I felt like I was on my own. I think I kind of did that to myself. Um, Toby's friends all had reached out to me and even like a ton of kids I went to high school with that knew us all had reached out to me and I appreciated it. Um, I kind of wish that I had maybe reached out to his friends more during that time as well. And then we could have all been there for each other. But A lot of them, I think, isolated themselves the same way that I did. And I felt like because he was so much more than just, like, my friend or even my boyfriend, like, we had such a connection. I felt like nobody was going to understand the loss that I felt because it just seemed like it it felt like it was so much more than an ex-boyfriend. Like, it felt, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how to explain it even still. So I, I felt like nobody else was going to understand that because no one else had that connection with him.
1: Right. And that's also hard because a lot of times people, because they don't know that connection or understand it can get impatient or, you know,
3: Mm -hmm. be like,
1: why is she still, you know, not over this at all. And, um, and that's hard because you just, like you said, your relationship with him was unique. And your grieving is unique and no one can take that away from you. But a lot of people have thoughts about how other people grieve. And then you fast forward to, like you mentioned, your, your daughter, um, losing her. Mm -hmm. So how did that, you know, that was, what year
2: was that? So she, she was born in October of 2020, October 23rd, 2020 um was when she was born um i had gone actually i had had a doctor's appointment on october 22nd it was my 38 week checkup and i had told my doctor I, I felt like i was having maybe some contractions but they were pretty spaced out and i wasn't sure if it was braxton hicks or not so she did an exam and she was like yeah i mean you're already dilated i think i was dilated gosh three to five centimeters, I can't remember. Uh, So she was like, you'll probably be having this baby uh, within the week. And I was like, oh, wow, Uh, that's exciting. We listened to her heartbeat and everything sounded good. And when I was driving home from that doctor's appointment, my contractions started really ramping up. And by the time I got home, Portia actually, I was living with uh, Taryn and his wife, Portia. So Portia opened the door and um she, there were just like tears streaming down my face because I was like yeah I think they I think the contractions are coming really quick so she called my mom and my mom came over um and we were timing the contractions and they got close enough that we we're like all right yeah like I need to go back to the hospital because I think the baby's coming so we had waited for my daughter's father to get home from work. And then him and I left to the hospital and we signed in. And by the time they got us back to uh, to do an ultrasound, so I think about less than three hours had gone by, I believe, since that morning when I heard her heartbeat, um, her heartbeat was gone. They They were having trouble finding it. At first and I was like oh well my doctor found it just this morning so they brought my doctor in and uh the first thing my doctor said to me when she had the ultrasound machine on was Victoria didn't you feel her stop moving (laughs) which then of course I was like oh my god how did I not like how did I not feel her not moving I guess the contractions were just so strong I didn't even
0: was that the first time you had considered that that was like the possibility
3: of what was happening?
2: Yeah, because even when they couldn't find it, yeah, like even when they couldn't find it before, I was like, oh, it's fine. Like she was kind of low on the left side, like one, like I know my doctor will find it. But then when my doctor said that to me, that was like, holy smokes, like this is not, this is not good. So, and that was, because then I, I mean, there's already a lot of guilt uh, that lost moms feel, I believe. Um, Like all the lost moms I've talked to, we all have some level of guilt, but hearing that from a doctor, I thought I had done something wrong. Like that was my immediate thought was that somehow this was my fault and I didn't feel like I wasn't paying attention to her movement. And yeah, that was like the worst thing I could hear at that point after hearing like there's no heartbeat.
1: That would really piss me off. You know, from an outsider, was your mom in the
2: room with no, you? Or it was, was it just, just you and Yeah, it was just me and my ex um in in the room. And then there was a nurse there and my doctor.
1: So then after she so rudely said that to you, we were what just happened kind of then? in
2: shock. Um and I could, like, feel myself starting to, actually, in that moment, I, I was starting to freak out, and I looked at him, and he just looked at me and said, don't, and he walked out of the room. So then, like, the doctor and the nurse had walked out, and then he walked out, so I was by myself in that room, and I just, like, went numb. Like, I just completely went numb. Um, And I know he had kind of walked out to gather himself, but... Like, in that moment, I didn't want to be alone, especially, like, with all the horrible thoughts that I was having. But I just slipped in. It must have been shock because I just felt like I was just completely numb.
0: Yeah, I can imagine news like that would be the absolute last thing you'd want to hear. You know, you had taken every step to that point point. Um, and were really, like, so ready to receive this baby. By all accounts, were
3: already a mother, And so, that had to have drawn some similar feelings. Did it feel at all similar?
2: Yeah, like, the, I think my reaction at first was was kind of similar. Um, but then I quickly realized, like, wow, this, this loss is, like, uncomprehendable. Like, this was my daughter. This was, like, I had so many hopes and dreams. And I was so excited to have that bond that mother and child bond um i i knew pretty quickly that this loss was going to be completely different than anything i had experienced before
1: and you obviously had her name picked out prior or were you gonna wait till she was born and decide what her name was gonna be
2: so we We had waited to find out what the gender was until the baby was born. So, but we had decided already, like, if it was a boy, we were going to name this. And if it was a girl, it would be Lana. So uh, when we found out that it was a girl, we decided to stick with our original plan and still name her Lana.
1: So you had to, you know, and again, don't go into any uncomfortable conversation. So, you know, you're, that's that's fine. Um so how long like did you stay in that room by yourself? What did they come in and get yeah, you? They, like what were they They doing? had stepped
2: out of the room to like give us a second to process, but then it ended up like him and I processing separately, which that's fine too. Um but then they did come back and get us and um move us upstairs to where like the birthing floor is, but they put um they put bereaved parents like way at the end of the hallway, like kind of away from everyone else. Because as you can imagine, it's it's pretty traumatic when you know, like your baby's not going to cry when she's born to hear other babies crying. So they put you at the end of a hallway and you just kind of like wait. I don't know if wait is the right word, but kind of like they gave me an epidural so that I wasn't in pain And they were just kind of waiting for my water to break and for my labor to progress before I could actually like give birth. So you're just like sitting in a hospital room and just kind of waiting.
1: And so the, they you still give like go through the birthing process, obviously. Mm -hmm. So you did have to go into labor and
2: yeah. And my labor had already progressed quite a bit. So we're, we were pretty much just waiting on my water to break which they actually ended up having to do that because it wasn't breaking on its own so they broke my water and then everything else like it progressed pretty quickly after that and she was born at twelve fifty seven in the middle of the night on the 23rd
1: so once she's born i i can't even imagine what you went through victoria this just it makes me so sad i don't want to cry but i will right now because it's It's just a lot. Um, So you know that you give birth to her and she's no longer with us or with you. And I know you have some beautiful pictures with her, but I understand the numb feeling. So did, did you just like let people take over and kind of call the shots or were you how did you feel?
2: Yeah, when she was born, um, I just was like, I, I felt so many feelings, like I felt a love like I've never known, but I also felt a heartbreak like I've never known because I think up until that moment, I was kind of like, well, maybe they were wrong and like, she's gonna actually be alive when she comes out, but it was like, so silent in the room that that just like shattered me. And we were also, like, we didn't know what was wrong or what had happened, so we weren't sure if maybe, like, the cord had gotten wrapped around her neck. Um, So I was just, like, I was really afraid to look at her, but the cord wasn't wrapped around her neck. She looked perfect. Um, So I just wanted, like, the nurses cleaned her up and everything, and then they put her in my arms, and I just wanted to, like, sit there and hold her. But they asked me if I wanted them to or like if I wanted to dress her in the outfit that we had brought or if they or if I wanted them to do it for me. And I just like couldn't I don't know, I just couldn't wrap my head around dressing her. So the nurses put her in the outfit for me. And I that's one regret I do have looking back. I wish that I had been the one to dress her. But in that moment, I just did what I felt was right for me and that's okay too. But they like put her in her outfit and um, we just kind of like held her and then would set her down because the nurses kept telling me that I needed to sleep, but then they like come in every 15 minutes and like push on your stomach and check on you. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be awake for this, I might as well like get to hold her more. But I. I felt like I did a good job of um, like voicing my opinion, but I also was still pretty in shock and just kind of leaning really heavily on the nurses who were amazing. Like my nurses were so incredible. I don't think I would have made it through that night without them. Um, And they like were really good about taking over when I was unsure. So uh, that felt really good to have them.
3: And were your um
1: parents with you at that time? I know it was probably you and your ex, but <clears throat> did you stay keep it private between the two of you and the nurses, or was there a point where you decided like I need my mom and dad so that's else?
2: kind of another tricky part of like my daughter was born in twenty twenty, so they were really strict about visitors at the hospital um so they oh. did allow my mom to come. Right before I went into labor, she came and saw me, um, and that was, like, amazing to have her there. Um, I think that was when it started to, like, sink in a little more and feel real, um, because my mom was just so completely devastated. Um, But she, so she saw me before I had her, and then she was able to come back in the morning and hold her and see her and everything. So, but it was really, like, I couldn't have more than one. Other person, like it was a big deal that they let my mom there, so um, yeah,
1: that makes sense. So, after your mom, you know, you get to the point where you know, did they let you stay there until you felt strong enough? Cause I know with hospitals and insurance, mm-hmm. they don't always let you stay as long as you think you want to stay. So, how did they determine, you know, what the next step was as far as you like your health was? fine through the pregnancy yeah any complications yeah up until the end
2: like i had been completely fine i was comfortable i i loved being pregnant um so they just kept like monitoring me through the night thank you yeah Yeah, you did
1: that makes it harder so you got through whatever i mean so we didn't mean to interrupt you but you stayed there until they said you had to leave or did they How does that process work with losing a child and and giving birth to a a stillborn baby? They pretty
2: much left it up to us. They were like, you can stay here um, like as long as you want. Kind, Well, I mean, within limitations, but um, but when you're ready, like you're you can go. And at that point, I did not want to be in that hospital any longer. And so we left at like, oh, my gosh, I can't even maybe 12 I feel like it was like in like early afternoon um we were only there for one night but I was just ready to be out out of the hospital
1: and so you're leaving the Mm -hmm. hospital without your baby and how did that feel which is a dumb question but I don't know the answer to it because that's never happened to me I guess so I guess I'm just curious if you're comfortable like sharing how that
2: Yeah, absolutely. That was probably one of the hardest things I think I've ever done, uh, in my life because um, like I knew they would take her to be cremated and that was gonna be it. Like that was the last time I like within twenty four hours was the first and last time I ever got to hold my daughter. So leaving was really hard, but I just I could not stay there anymore. So the car ride home was just horrendous and then like walking into our house and like seeing the nursery all set up still and everything was so just absolutely heartbreaking there's really no other word to describe it it was it just like really drove the nail in the coffin really
3: I cannot imagine what, what you were feeling
1: and still feeling. Um, and then you walk in, you know, you have a house of roommates and Karen and Portia. And I'm not even sure how many people were living there then, but you have like, did you want to hide? Did you, did you want to go stay at your mom and dad? Like, how did you handle being in a house where everyone's kind of tiptoeing around you? Their heart's breaking. I mean,
2: I at first.
1: Did you tell them to?
2: Sorry, I definitely wanted to hide, um, but Taryn and Portia were really great about like not tiptoeing around me, but like giving me the space. But also like I knew that they would be there for when I was ready to talk. So, um, of course, like I feel like your instinct, like I just want, like I just wanted to like go home to my mom, really, but. Um, I had my uh, partner at the time, and he, and I was, like, a stepmom at that time also, so I still had people depending on me, so I stayed in the house, but it was really, really hard.
3: I
1: can imagine that for sure. So then how long, you know, how long did the the baby's room stay the way it was, and how did you process that
2: um her room stayed up for gosh months like it became kind of like where I would go to feel close to her so I ended up leaving the room up for a long time and then eventually I was like okay I'm ready I think it I think it was up for probably six months at least Uh, I kept it all set up. And then I finally was like, all right, I'm ready to like take the crib down and start like putting some things away and deciding what I wanted to keep and what I didn't want.
1: That makes sense. I understand that feeling with Tanner's room. His stuff is all where it was. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I go in here sometimes and I look around and I'm like, nope, not ready. You know, I might throw away this, you know, piece of trash, but everything else I'm like no 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 no, not ready so it's good that you made that decision yourself on when you wanted to do that because I feel like sometimes people have an opinion about what you should do and they'll say you should get you know get rid of his stuff move on and I'm like well no but they don't get it and I know that they don't mean it in a negative way But knowing that you were able to
2: make that decision on your own and how you wanted to handle it
1: is good. I'm glad that that was the case
2: But you have to do what feels right for you. And when you're ready or if you're never ready, that's okay.
3: That's correct. Yes, I agree with that.
1: So then um, here you are, you know, two, three years, almost two and a half years later, And you had mentioned also a miscarriage and we'll ask, I'll ask you about that in a second. But as far as Lana goes, where is she in your mind and world? And I know she's an angel. That's given and that she's watching over you. And I, I, I do believe that, but now that you're two and a half years away from the last time you held her, how are you, how do you feel and how do you, process process that still because you're still her mom. You still had a baby. She was alive in your stomach for nine months. So how do you process that now?
2: I feel very strongly about honoring her and like she never got to live her life. So I felt like it's my like responsibility in a way to to just live life to the fullest in honor of her and I had a really hard time of course at the beginning like um especially while I was still in that relationship I didn't have the space or comfort to grieve and I was very I was depressed I was miserable um I was just the lowest point in my life really and I remember thinking like Lana would have hated this for me like she she would not want me to be stuck in this miserable, awful situation. She would want me to be living life and being happy. So when I finally left that situation, I felt like that was like the turning of a new leaf. And I was able to more celebrate her memory. Um, Still, I have, I mean, like you've said in previous episodes, like, Grief is not linear. It's definitely a roller coaster and it kind of comes in waves. So I still have really sad days too, but I more changed my mentality and I was like, I am going to just live my life to the fullest. I'm going to, I'll never settle for less than just the absolute best because that's what I would have wanted for her. And I know that that's what she would have wanted for me. I like that. You turned it, you know, that just turning that attitude
1: um is beautiful because you know when someone passes away a child you have two choices to make where that death is concerned and you can spiral into this really bad place which some people do initially but a lot of people stay there or you can make something beautiful quote unquote like you said and live a positive life and only expect the best for yourself and honor your child by doing that um and honestly honestly you give me hope because i'm not there yet i am not there yet i don't want to have any kind of happiness or joy yet but i know i will so by you saying that that does help me a lot and i appreciate that because i'm definitely not there so i thank you for that insight and sharing that because in a way it's like hopelessness and i'm sure you felt that at some point but knowing that you're walking through that or you know around it is is great and i'm i'm so proud of you for having that attitude about it cuz it's not easy at all thank you all right karen <laughs> like throwing some wisdom karen you know we i'm crying over here so you know, say something smart ass or something. You're good at that.
0: I was silently crying. I I, not really. Victoria, you are an inspiration. I've had a lot of those same feelings. Um I feel as though I'm more in the in the same boat as Renee
3: right now. But it is it is good to see, you know, you can find happiness for yourself. You know, you just gotta keep seeking it. Things will still go wrong, people will still People suck.
1: Yeah, and I think that, I guess, you know, Victoria and I are opposite sides of the spectrum. And, you know, I had Tanner for 19 years, and she had Lana for, 19, you know, nine months in her stomach, but she didn't have her, you know, I don't know how to say it. What's the word? Like, she didn't have her when she was born. But we're both mothers. And I think a lot of times people think that losing a baby, you know, being stillborn, a child being stillborn, that that mother's love may not be as strong as, let's say, a mother who's lost her son of 19 years. And I think that's a really huge misconception about the loss of a child or infant or a miscarriage or anything like that. And there's no measurement and there's no gauge for mothers, but I've noticed that some people really think like that. And I think that's so awful. Do you you feel like some people or in the world, like implied that towards you or it was just no one really bothered to say anything rude?
2: I feel like for the most part, people were really great and, um, definitely validated my feelings because that was something that was really important to me but I know even like even in my own head I would invalidate my feelings um like like yes I know I'm a mother deep down but I didn't have any memories I didn't have 19 years worth of memories with Lana I didn't get to hear her personality or hear her voice or anything like that so I would sometimes be like well her loss is much greater than yours because like, you didn't like, how can you miss something you you didn't know? But I learned that first of all, I can't talk to myself that way because that's a really good way to spiral. And second of all, um, like you said, a mother's love is a mother's love. And it's just, it's different. It doesn't mean one is wrong and one is right, but I miss the unknown. I miss every like memory I didn't get to make. Whereas you miss all of the years of memories that you did have, and all the years you should have had too. Like yours, you have like all of that. You knew his voice, you knew his personality. You heard him playing guitar in the next room. Like you heard all of those things. You you knew all of those things, and and you're grieving all of that as well as everything that you missed because he should have had so many more years.
1: Right, as as well as Lana, but I'm glad that. You think that way? Then let's, you know, let's go dive into the next tragedy you had as a young woman. Got yeah, your bingo at card 24. of
0: awful things that happened. Yeah.
2: I know. I know it's it seems cool. I feel like I've lived like 10 lifetimes in 24 years, but um in uh March of 2021, actually March 26 the year before tanner died exactly i had a miscarriage and we weren't sure exactly how far along i was because i had just had lana in october um and so i my cycle hadn't really regulated yet um before i found out i was pregnant again and but the doctors were thinking maybe eight weeks or so um but then I ended up miscarrying on March 26th of 2021.
1: So, again, what the hell? Are you, like, you've been through a lot. You really have. Um. So how did you process that now? Or have you? Um. You know, that
2: was... That was so... Just completely traumatizing uh, because of everything I had just gone through, and even it on its own, miscarriages are also very. They're just horrible. They are horrible on your body and just horrible to go through. Um, but I just remember thinking like, I, like, I remember praying, and uh, I I haven't been a super. I I like to consider myself more spiritual, but I remember when I had found out that I was pregnant uh, for the second time, I just remember praying like, God, if this is not meant to be, if this is not the situation that I am supposed to be in, please do not let me go nine months carrying this baby for it to end the way that it did before. And I think literally... A week after that prayer is when I miscarried. So, um, I guess I would have rathered that than it ending in stillbirth again or, um, bringing a another a life into a terrible situation. But it was still traumatic in its own, all on its own too.
1: So was the trauma. I mean, obviously physical, like you said. But just like, are you thinking, is this seriously going to be, I'm never going to have kids or this is, I'm cursed or is something wrong with me that I'm, you know, having all these problems? Did you think like that or are you just still like another punch in the gut and you're probably numb all over and you're recycling all the, all the grief you've had for the last few years?
2: Yeah, I felt like I was definitely, that was probably the lowest of the low that I had felt. Um, I just remember, like, all I had ever wanted my whole life was to be a mom. So even though those two pregnancies were not planned, I was still very excited and so eager um, to have a baby. So I remember thinking, like, very negatively towards my body, like, what am I doing wrong? Um, and I just kept thinking like this like am I just not meant to be a mother? Like what is the like what is it? Like it's got I, I did think I was cursed. Um I was just I was very angry like I felt like I was angry again, but that just very quickly turned just to heartbreak. Like I was just so, so sad.
1: I'm so sorry that you've had to deal with you know, gone through those things that's more than one person should have to handle, and you're brave and you're strong and again, I'm so proud of you because that could break a lot of people, and I know that you're broke, but you're healing and you're trying to move forward, but a lot of people that would be it, and so you have to give yourself some credit for how strong you are, even though it's not easy, you know like like we all look at you and really see a wonderful, strong person who's actually kind of an inspiration to me. I mean, I'm learning from you too. Like we're on the same journey of whatever this is, hell. Um, So you're teaching me things too.
2: Thank you. Yeah. I, I really have just the most amazing support system. And I learned for my first two uh losses that it for me with Lana and my miscarriage baby it was so helpful to be vulnerable and talk to the to my loved ones that were there for me and I just leaned like heavy on I leaned really heavily on like my tribe of people
1: so do you think that that switch from the first two losses you had with your grandmother and Toby that you learned from those deaths and it kind of change the way like you wanted people that you could lean on or were you still kind of isolated in your thinking I guess
2: in some ways I felt isolated because uh like nobody in my immediate support system had gone through those kinds of losses like um how you found support through other moms that have lost their sons I I started looking at Support groups for infant loss and miscarriages, and I so I felt more seen through that because they could relate to me. They had just gone through it, but I still felt like I mean my mom and Portia also they had done research on like how to talk to moms that had lost their babies, and like they were really looking into it so that they were able to support me the best they could without having gone through it themselves. And that alone just, like, meant the world to me.
1: That is, and that's huge because, like, if you can't find a therapist. You know, you're blessed to be able to find people in your life that really want what's best for you and to support you, but not, like, shoving it down your throat. And so probably what they read and discovered was a blessing to all of you in a way because then they could help and you were welcome to it.
2: Yeah. Absolutely, it was a huge help. What changed
0: after those? um, I mean, obviously, everything everything changed. But what what did you have to change in your mindset to, you know, be able to take it day by day? Because that's all we can do, um, really, after stuff like that. But you know, what keeps? How do you keep yourself from spiraling into your own thoughts? How have you? um sort of found that inspirational strength you have to to move on. Um you said you were um a spiritual person. How how has all this kind of changed your spirituality?
3: If at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, it definitely shook my faith. Um but I just have to believe that the universe has more in store for me and um I've even, like, I've gone to psychics, and they—actually, I've gone to three, and they've all kind of said the same thing, that, like, Lana's soul is coming back to me. Um, and they've all told me that, like, I will be a mother to living children one day, and—which um, I know, like, everyone has their own opinion on psychics, but to hear three different ones, it's like, all say the same thing was very— um, comforting in a way which I don't know what that looks like Lana's soul coming back like she'll always be in my head like my baby but um like hearing them say that just gave me some strength but I just had like I just I allow myself grace on the bad days um to just feel it because locking it up just makes it worse um and when I need like I have a I have a bear that's the same weight that Lana was when she was born. So when I feel like I'm really struggling, like I just, I hold my bear and somehow that brings me some comfort, like to feel like my arms aren't empty. Um, But I just had, I just have to believe that the universe has more in store for me and it's, it's going to work out the way that it's supposed to. And like what's meant for me will be is what I tell myself. It's easier said than done on a lot of days when I feel really low, but even on my low days, I just let myself feel it. I just have to let myself feel it.
1: And I think that's the key. Um, You know, people say, you know, you walk through grief. That's absolutely not the case for me or most people I feel like you just have to learn how to live with it. You have to learn how to grow with it because we're never going to walk through the loss of our, our children, it's learning to live without them, honoring them. But so the fact that you feel what you feel when you feel it is huge because a lot of people will try to push it down and say, I'm fine. I'm fine when you're not. And that's the last, that's the worst thing you could do in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I think you're right on that. Like just saying that you're fine when you're not fine, I think makes it exponentially harder,
1: right? because it's not i think people are more uncomfortable with the way i'm feeling because i'll be like hey how are you and i'm if i really told them like okay i'm going to tell you you really want to know um they really don't want to know but you know i'm not going to make excuses for my my feelings yeah but with all that being said you've had a lot of loss and i just if i can't wrap my head around the fact that you're only 24 i really can't because most people don't go through what you went through i don't know what i mean i'm just my mind is blown right now and that i'm so grateful that you know taryn and i are grateful that you wanted to talk about it because those are the types of things that make us happy we want someone to talk about it because they're ready to talk about it and if anyone's listening to this i promise you there's a lot of people that have gone through what you have gone through in one way or another but not all in such a short period of time
2: yeah it, it's been every year since 2018 i've lost someone <laughs> so that that was a lot of back-to-back um
1: and then do you loss. find yourself being scared like i wake up and go okay what's gonna happen today is someone else gonna die or is am i gonna die i don't trust the future do you feel that way ever
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah definitely i mean i, f- I think I, my innocence around life is completely gone. Um, I mean, even on the day Tanner died, like that was the one year anniversary of my miscarriage. And I was like, you know, like, I'm so excited to go to Taryn and Portia's tonight. Like my friends are going to be there. Everyone's going to be there. It's going to be so fun. That'll be a good thing to like, keep my mind off of it. And then I was leaving work and I asked Portia what I should bring to their party. And she was like, we're canceling it. Tanner died and i was just like this what? cannot be happening like in the blink of an eye yeah in the just blink of an eye again completely shattered and it just was i it was just such a wake up call again for like like no like you have no days promise and yeah it's i i am afraid like there are there's definitely a fear now that every time someone calls me i'm is somebody else like did somebody die or you know like and it sucks to feel that way
1: right but it it does i mean yes and i don't know how you feel taryn do you experience that too or i mean we all kind of lost i feel like i am a a person of faith and right now i can be perfectly honest and say that i'm really mad at god and jesus and whoever else is not listening to me but um i lost my faith i haven't been to church which has always been something that really filled me up. So, Aaron, do you feel like you want to give a big, you know, middle finger to the universe? Because I do. Or do you, you know, where do you stand? Yeah, right?
0: definitely. I I'm not so so much a person of faith. Um, I don't I don't know if I ever was. Uh, I guess.
1: Because <laughs> we made you go to. Catholic. Yeah, <laughs>
0: me and me and your your mom and I kids have pictures of us at our our communions.
1: <laughs> that <laughs> worked out school. well. Okay. Yeah,
0: you really yeah put the fear of God in us through that one. <laughs> but um, no, I had I, I wouldn't say it's spiritual, but I you know I I've, I've pondered my place in it and I kind of looked at it from science and I guess statistically we're we're just all cosmic miracles. Like you said, a blink of an eye, really anything could go away.
1: And it used to be a cliche that I didn't believe. That's a stupid thing. You know, that's so yeah, stupid. Yeah, it's like, come on. Cliche. Especially as a young man. Not.
0: You're, you're like immortal. At least, you know, you think you are. And yeah, there was, you exactly. know, a lot of randomness and, and chaos that can go wrong. I mean, any any number of things. We could, we're long overdue for an asteroid hit. We finally had that plague we were overdue for. And it, it comes with a lot of losses, which, um, it seems like kind of a cruel indifference, which I think was highlighted more in these last few years kind of than anything. Not so much the cosmic miracle side of being alive, but just like little fragile sacks of blood and dreams. It's um, It definitely shook my view of the world and our place in it. I feel like I want to be a big middle finger to it as well. I feel like I want to live to the fullest almost like dangerously so out of spite <laughs> for those of, of age listening to this i i don't know if i brought it up on, on the episode i had talked about but i feel like the living like larry episode gone wrong uh where they just want to like live for the moment but don't really know what that means um you know because are you living for the living or are you living for kind of the dead not not so much honoring them but just not really appreciating the life that i still have now and i feel like that's what i've been struggling with a lot but the anger yeah that you both talked about i definitely felt that felt that for sure a hundred percent it's like i don't know it's like a helpless flailing i feel like It's just all this terrible shit and what can you do to stop it
3: You you can have a podcast That would literally that's not stopping it the so. pandemic. <laughs> But you know, we, oh man, do we, do? we should start a podcast. podcast.
1: Well, we're on four, so we're going, you know, one step at a time. But you know, we're getting close to being done. But you know, do you have anything, Victoria, to add or advice you would give someone that's maybe has is in your shoes or has been in your shoes?
2: I mean, I think one of the biggest things is to never stop speaking your child's name and to keep their memory alive. People think that you're afraid to talk about it or that they are if you bring it up, that we're going to cry or something, which we might, but it always feels good, I think, to acknowledge their existence and that they were a part of this world, even no matter how brief it was, like, talking about it has always brought me some level of comfort and keeping her name alive has brought me some level of comfort. So that's one thing that I would say. And giving yourself grace on the bad days to just feel it. That's good. That's really good advice because
1: it's easier said than done, but you're an example of someone that's been able to do that. And I believe that you're going to, that, that helps people. You're an example. People see you, they watch you, they hear you. And you are a shining example of that. So, again, like I said, you're really proud of yourself, Victoria. You, you're you amazing, and you're doing such a great job. Even when you have
2: those crappy days, you're doing an amazing job. Thank you. That truly, like, means a lot to me to hear.
1: Oh, I just want to add one more thing, like, you know, as we kind of end this. But I have to say that Victoria's family... It's, you know, like we talk about all the people that have talked so far on this. We're all interconnected. You know, we all know Tanner in different ways and different levels. But, you know, Victoria and her family have always been incredibly wonderful to DJ, my son, and Tanner as well. And, you know, and I just always have to give a shout out to your dad, (laughs) Victoria, um, because uh, we would not have Magical (laughs) Ben is Victoria's dad. And I don't think he realizes the impact that he had on Tanner, and I know he, you know, still has on CJ. But um, it's people like him and your mom that raise beautiful people like you and your brother and your sister, and make a difference to the people around them. So it's really important for me to let everyone know you come from an amazing family, and I know that's a huge part of your success in this process you know Absolutely. i mean you're karen's cousin you're there's so many different interconnecting pieces but um you know you both are, have come from a, a great families and so i just wanted to make sure your dad knew that cj and Tanner love magical ben he gave them lots of great memories and he gave cj a lot of great memories of him and Tanner, and that it, to me is just so beautiful and I'm so grateful for the times that your
2: dad took them hiking and things like that. So surrounded by love. Yes, thank you. I know my dad. He he loves your boys big
1: time. <laughs> that make, that means a lot. Does he love Karen though? I mean that's the, the iffy one. I don't
2: know. He he loves his tea. He loves Taryn. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't yeah. love Karen though?
0: Thank you so much, Victoria, for sharing your story. Um it's inspiring to everyone.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
1: Thank you. All right.
0: Thank you everyone so much for tuning into this episode of the Missing Vibe Podcast. Definitely be sure to check us out on our social media. We also have a website network, Tanner's Vibe, where we're, you know, connecting lots of people who have had similar experiences. And even those who maybe just wanna be there for those who have had those experiences. And just let everyone know that even though, you know, it's we're all grieving differently, you don't have to do it alone. And there's always people here for you. So we hope that we can make something beautiful from our loss and that you can find something in it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening and be sure to tune
3: in next time.